¡Qué buena onda, Chicago! Estoy muy contenta de escuchar esa música. Yo no sé por qué, pero... Here's Tom. <laughs> We decided to play one of the more popular songs of the year, the original Spanish version, not the Justin Bieber version that popularized that wonderful song. So, um, Mick Dumkey and Ramon Hussein, two wonderful journalists um, who... Uh, grace the pages and airwaves and a few other places around Chicago with uh, really important information in an era of all facts and alleged fake news and all that. Here are two solid reporters that we thought we'd have help us figure out a little bit about this past year and looking forward a little bit. Welcome to Live from the Heartland, both of you. Thank Thanks. you for having us. Good morning. So we R tried Romana to... Romana was really eager to jump out of bed this morning. <laughs> I bet. Come down here. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> well, it's not okay. only that... No, it's okay. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, well, we've you dragged you down here a few times. So a few times you've been blessed to have it be at the Heartland. I, I still remember I, I, I survived <coughs> the trip down here in, in Michael's seatless van. I <laughs> think <laughs> last time. So. You got the couch, did you? It's an antique, a Mitsubishi antique. <laughs> I, I live to tell him. It. So here we are. So uh, this crazy year, we attempted in our back and forth before the show to kind of center on, on two or three issues, and we probably won't stay there. But I, I do agree that I think Me Too is probably a good place for us to start because of the way not only did it frame a very different public debate in in uh, homes and offices as well as in, in the media uh, in the last third of the year uh, after the Harvey uh uh, Weinstein, Weinstein um, uh, debacle. activity, debacle, sexual harassment's part of the story, but it's become a lot more than that. And I find myself trying to look forward, wondering, uh, are women going to see a change in the workplace? Is this going to be the year of the women in terms of politics? We have a lot of elections coming in. Might this affect um, how some of those campaigns turn out because of this new heightened awareness of how men have treated women badly? Um, do you see, Ramon, I might have you start off on this. Is this something that's changing our culture or not? I think it's changing a little. I mean, right after all of this came out, we did, I mean, at the Sun-Times, we got an email reminding everyone about the, you know, the rules at the workplace. I was reading an article yesterday, actually, in the Tribune, and it was saying that three-fourths of the sex, sexual harassment um, incidents aren't reported at workplaces, and so they're predicting that women are going to speak out more. Just because women are speaking out more, I think women kind of feel more comfortable. I, I, I don't know what it was with the Harvey Weinstein incident. I don't know if it was because he was this powerful man that was still in the spotlight with Miramax. And, you know, this is somebody that was such a big name. I mean, obviously, the Bill Cosby thing brought out a lot of emotion. But, you know, people probably are thinking, you know, we haven't seen him in a while. You know, he hasn't been talked about. But I think with the Harvey Weinstein, anybody who follows movies or watches films, his name's attached to almost every Academy Award winning film. So I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that, that you know, there was a lot of people comfortable in speaking out on social media and just, you know, airing out their stories and just men getting fired left and right and all these names that we're hearing. So it's been it's been pretty interesting, I think, in a way. What, Sad what but you, interesting. What do you think the ramifications will be in terms of the ballot box? There's a lot of talk about um, more women running for office. I think that might happen, but I don't know. Just looking at the landscape, looking at who our president is and the fact that he said stuff about women and, you know, you know, there's been a lot of questions about what he's done. I, I don't know if it's really going to change politically. I think women have always been out there 
whether or not, you know, I think that might energize a lot of women. I mean, obviously, you know, we've seen the women's rallies after Trump's election. So I don't know. I think it's just get. I think it is all these things are kind of just like snowballing. And I think it is getting people more aware, at least. Um, I hope it gets more women to um, run for office. I think that's a good thing. I think it's the more voices we have there, the better. Yeah, I think the, it arguably did. Sorry, Katie. I, I think it arguably did have an impact in the Alabama Senate race, uh, where you have, uh, you know, Roy Moore. It, it was apparently okay that he's basically a theocrat who was removed twice from the Alabama state supreme court for ignoring the law. Uh, but <laughs> the, the fact, law. yeah, the fact that he, um, you know, had these relations uh, and was apparently going around in his earlier days in dating uh, teenage girls, uh, finally that seemed to tip the scales and it was still a very narrow victory there. Um, but the first huge, you know, first Democratic Senate victory in what, more than 25 years, right? Yeah. Um, in Alabama. So arguably it had, it had an impact there already. In terms of candidates running for office, I agree with Romana, which is always an important thing for me to say, right? Um, for those who don't know, Romana and I are married. So okay, you gave it up. You gave it up. But um, no, I, I think it, it takes some time for these kind of things to develop. I mean, you can't just turn around and suddenly, um, in a few months, expect a change here. And, and just for an example, look at the governor's race in Illinois, where. Uh, there is actually one woman who is running on the Republican side, mm -hmm. um, Jeannie Ives, right. um, running, running from the right, running from the, the <laughs> yeah. really the far right um, against Bruce Rauner on the Republican side. Uh, but f otherwise, it's a slate of men. And, um, you know, in order for things, these things to change, I think it's going to take a little time. I think even with the more thing, I mean, it was a little more complex than just people being mad about that because it was divided by race as well. There was still an overwhelming number of white women and men who voted for him. So yeah, I just think it's a lot. I think it's a lot more complex than that because the number of women who voted for Donald Trump, white women, college educated white women, it was a pretty significant number. So I, I think there's just so many complexities involved and who, you know, and who's involved. So I, I do think that did help, but I think it's a lot more complex than that. Uh, so for those that are keeping score, there are many, many, many more women signing up to run this year. It's it's already it's measured. I, I don't have the number in front of me. I didn't know we were going to talk that way, but there are. And uh, furthermore, I don't know if any of you caught it, but Marilyn Katz wrote a very thoughtful piece in In These Times this week about the nuance that we should begin developing about dealing with these mm -hmm. uh, sexual harassment uh, stories and also the punishment or you know partial or whatever that people uh, suffer for it. But back to you guys. Um, <laughs> Uh, what what will politics? Let me just politics of crime fighting play out. Uh, we're talking police. We're talking uh, an awful lot of background uh, information that we've covered here before about police uh, uh, brutality in Chicago and other areas around the country. I was reading today before I came here about what started the Black Lives Matter. Uh, uh, you know, and Ferguson, Ferguson and the militarization of police, et cetera. So I shouldn't be talking, you should. What do you think about Rahm's transparency regarding the Laquan video and whether or not it'll play out in the upcoming elections, his election specifically? 
Well, um, I, if everyone, just to remind everybody, 2017 started politically with the U.S. Justice Department issuing a scathing report about civil rights abuses, systematic and long-running civil rights abuses by the Chicago Police Department. Uh, it seems like an eternity ago, I think, yes. for most of us now, mm -hmm. especially since uh, there was obviously a changeover in administrations and a, and a significant changeover in the approach to these kinds of uh, reports and previously in under the Obama administration there have been a series of consent decrees that the US government had entered into with local police departments uh, in Cleveland and in other places but Jeff Sessions the new the new uh, Attorney General has said he doesn't believe in these kind of consent decrees <laughs> which gave the mayor of Chicago Rahm Emanuel a lot of wiggle room right guys so uh, he was basically it looked like he was kind of trying to weasel out of having this stuff formally uh, any kind of legally binding agreement to bring about these police reforms until Lisa Madigan stepped in and basically took the took it to court and compelled Rom politically he could not stand on the sideline he doesn't want to be uh, out progressive out maneuvered by anybody um, especially knowing that he's got a quickly pivot to his own re-election, as you said. So he was forced to actually join the effort to get his own police department uh, legally, a legally binding agreement to bring these reforms I think there's place. another story there, which is that a number of community groups actually sued first to require yeah. federal oversight. Right. And Network 49 is a party to that suit. And in fact, I think the Lisa Madigan move may have been an effort to try to get the community groups out of the way and have a more official uh, machine Democrat uh, take over uh, uh -huh. running the mm -hmm. reform process that, that's really we'll see how point. this plays yeah. out yeah, but I, elected true. officials always follow public pressure right and in fact the negotiations right now if are going it, on right. <laughs> yeah, i mean i think i think with the laquan mcdonald uh video and you know the protests that follow i think it did make a lot of it made rom open up his eyes because it cost gary mccarthy his job i mean he yeah. and then it cost anita alvarez her job as well so mm -hmm. i think it did make him realize that nobody's going to sit back and you know i i just get shocked just even looking at the initial stories that were written about laquan mcdonald because it was basically a brief in the paper and i think it got a lot of reporters to think and say hey we got to work a little harder at questioning all these things instead of just taking what the you know FOP says and putting it in the paper because it was just a brief when it first happened. But also, not believing that it's only been a year, it, it's another story that shows that elections matter. Kim Fox has done incredible stuff in her first year. Could you speak because you used to cover the courts? Yeah, to I used to. I, I, I left right when she just got started. So I, I was uh, there for a little bit of that and I actually do edit the um, reporter who covers 26 and Cal now, but it's interesting because she basically, um, you know, we had a couple weeks ago, she exonerated 15 people who yeah. were convicted in cases where, that were dealt, that um, basically were oversaw by Sergeant Ronald Watts, who was imprisoned for um, planting drugs on people or just like setting people up. Um, so she's she's kind of seen, you know, the, I think people think that she is doing what she said she was doing. Obviously, it's just a start. And she's also... There used to be, I was at 26 and Cal for almost a decade, and it was, there was the same bond court judges 
in bond court and not to say that there were bad judges but i think she wanted to make a change and she put a total new group of judges in fact i recognize the name some of them are lawyers who became judges and there were people that i saw so you know the cash bond system it's not used that often anymore for nonviolent offenses so there's fewer people in jail now so under i think 6, people 000. under 6000 i think it's like 5900 yeah and and just a couple years ago it was about at 10000 it was like at 10000 people on a daily basis for a long time. So that is, I think that's actually one of the biggest stories of 2017 that people haven't been talking about a lot is this significant drop, I mean, a 40% drop essentially in the daily population at the Cook County Jail. That's that's something. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it also followed, again, it followed uh, political action uh, organizing by especially young people uh, in the past couple of years, both Black Lives Matter and BYP 100, et cetera, folks who organized to lower the cash bail to, to, uh, to both start a, a bail fund, which they did, and also to pressure for that exact activity. Um, and I will, and it, I will add, Katie, a lot of journalism on this subject, too. I mean, uh, there you go. We, 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 we in the, yeah, in the media don't, don't get it right. Um, <laughs> You know, a lot of times, or we, we don't do enough, as, as Romano was just saying, the Laquan McDonald case being a primary example of people accepting a narrative that was fed to them. And uh, there are all sorts of reasons for that, um, including newsroom cutbacks and all mm-hmm. uh, these other kinds of things. But um, I think that the jail situation, there has been a lot of media coverage about what has happened at the jail. Yeah. And, and including the bond 60 court Minutes. System. Right. Um, and, and, but it started with local reporters. Yeah. And, you know, whenever 60 Minutes or national people kind of parachute in, it's usually following reporting from people at the local level. So uh, kudos to, uh, to everybody who's been on that story. I just want to say, uh, I think COPA um, because is, is making its own new waves by having uh, done what they did this week, which is basically uh, blaming the cop who was previously sort of exonerated, I don't know the right word for that, but in that shooting that uh, was just horrific of uh, someone who was in in a mentally challenged state and actually called the police himself and his father called the police on him. And then they, not only did they kill him, but they killed a a neighbor below who just happened to, you know, appear at her door. It was horrific. And it was lied about by the cop. And COPA, the new Mm -hmm. uh, group... Um, maybe is making their chops by by coming out and contradicting. Yeah, yeah this is COPA's the city agency that's responsible for um, investigating police shootings and, and other uh, kind of allegations. I mean, it, it's hard to explain exactly what they do because the system for investigating alleged misconduct in the police department is really complicated. There's a bunch of different offices or agencies. Um, there's a couple within the police department that are supposed to look at it. Uh, but COPA is supposed to do that. And what you're referring to is the Quintonio LeGreer case. Uh, and Betty Jones. Uh, and Betty Jones, who is the neighbor who was killed. And the officer showed up and uh, Quintonio um, was clearly having some mental issues. And the officer showed up and, uh, uh, you know, it looks like was freaked out. Um, right. This young man comes down the stairs with a baseball bat. And it's, I just think it's a crazy case. Having reported on it, since basically right after it happened and then following it now uh it's just it's just one of those things where a horrible thing happened it was a you know 
a bang bang situation that happened in really really quick you know just I just want to be a little bit sympathetic to the cop being thrown into that situation and remind everybody that the police officer has himself sued the city of Chicago for saying that he was inadequately trained, among other things, which is another weird twist in this story. Um, but uh, you're right. This week, they, they basically said, ruled that COPA ruled that the shooting was not justified. Right. And that's based in part on the fact that the accounts of the officers who did respond to the scene, including the officer who who, sh- who shot the two people um, changed during during inter- the interview process. So, yeah. Two stories you did cover on this same issue was um, where we get our guns that end up on the street, mm-hmm. and even before you let the Sun-Times, you did some work on the, on the watch list. Uh, and I want to move on to another topic, but just to, to, to pick up on your point that there has been more journalism about this issue. Anything you take away from those two stories you worked on, one for the Sun-Times, one for ProPublica? Well, I think the watch list, the uh, strategic subject list, as it's called, it's um, just to remind people who may not be f- who have forgotten or may not be familiar, it's a list uh, for a while the police department was talking it up a lot. They said, basically, we know who the serious gun offenders are. We know who the people are who are likely to be gun offenders based on this algorithm we have that tells us who's been in trouble before and based on these patterns of behavior they're likely to get in trouble to be involved in a shooting either as a shooter or a victim um and you know i i from the beginning was just struck by this it just sounded a little too like minority report to me Mm -hmm. and some real (laughs) questions about you know civil rights and civil liberties here so with uh with a colleague at the sun times we were able to acquire um, some more information about the list. We didn't get the actual names of people who are on the list, but we got basically all the data about who they were. Uh, You know, they're young African-American men. That's probably not going to shock people. Uh, But a lot of them had not ever been involved in a violent crime before, yet they had made this list. And so long story short, I think it just raised a lot of questions both about – the police department touting this, saying, hey, look, we're, we got it under control, which is obviously all politics, as well as the civil rights and civil liberties part of it. And the gun situation, you guys, after, after writing thousands of words about guns and gun control and the politics of uh, trying to deal with guns and gun violence here, the main issue is that guns are a legal product in the United States. And every state has its own rules because... Uh, the federal laws are purposely written to be weak and open-ended. And so even if Illinois has tougher laws, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana have weaker laws, of course they're going to travel across state lines. We see all this with the war on drugs. We see this with attempts to regulate guns. It's a legal product. The Supreme Court has come in and said it's a legal product. And it's really, really, impo- really, really difficult, if not impossible, to... Um, in this patchwork system, impose local laws and expect something, you know, to change in terms of the flow of guns. Um, Mick and Ramina, I'd like to go back to uh, electoral politics a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the Laquan McDonald case, and Rom looked real vulnerable after that. I'm wondering if he still looks real vulnerable, and it, who might be uh, people who run against him. And uh, I know we, we talked a little bit about the county jail and people thought DART might run. 
and he, uh, he apparently he's not. So what are your yeah. thoughts on I don't future? think, I mean, we've heard, I used to work for Michael Sneed and I've been editing some of her columns and I, we hear Gary McCarthy, but I don't know if he would be, I, I you know, I, that would be an interesting choice, I think, but I don't know. Does he, does he have what it takes to beat well, Rom? I don't know. What's I, your take that's on a possibility. Um, I don't know. I, I, was he really liked by the rank and file police officers from what I could tell? I mean, I, I don't think he was. So, I mean, I'm just trying to think like who his base would be. Gary McCarthy. I mean, especially with Laquan McDonald. What about Troy LaRivier? I think he would be a pretty good candidate from, you know, from what we've seen. But um, again, it's like, you know, does he have the money or the resources to go against someone like Rom? And I have a real insider question. Sure. Why does Mike Sneed not have any sources on Troy's campaign strategy? That's a, that's a good question. I should ask her when I see her. Um, she do, I know that I know that she does have good uh good sources with Gary McCarthy and and sure. she's able to talk to him She'll but that's a, that's a good that's a that's a good question we're in a racial town she seems to have a great list of irish sources oh, yeah. and not much else <laughs> that's chicago though isn't it yes. i mean <laughs> so. well to get at your question michael i i you know i agree with you i the classic rule of politics is you can't beat somebody with nobody right and so troy has said that he is running for sure uh, he is, for those who don't remember, he is a uh, former principal who became, at Blaine. yeah, at, at Blaine uh, Elementary School, and uh, came out was a, ad, a, a fiery advocate for Bernie Sanders and a fierce critic of Rahm Emanuel. And lo and behold, uh, the Chicago Public Schools found some sort of alleged, uh, uh, you know, reasons why he sh- he should be ousted, um, despite by all accounts, being a very successful and popular principal. Um, but Troy's just kept firing away. And, you know, he's a really smart guy. And uh, having s- heard him talk before, uh, I don't have any doubts that he is going to be uh, a force in this campaign. Now, I agree with Romana. I don't know if he has the name recognition. I don't know if he has the resources to compete with Ram on that level. I think it really depends, you guys. It could be really interesting if McCarthy and Troy and somebody else gets in. I mean, last time Chewy took Rom to a runoff, um, but that wasn't just because of Chewy. That was because no. there were a couple other people in the race. Right. Willie Wilson was Willie in the Wilson. race and got a, a large chunk of the yeah. African-American vote. Right. Um, Bob Fioretti was out there. He got, you know, I don't know, Some. five or six percent, mostly probably from from white areas, white voters. Um Although he at that time represented a good chunk a very of the West side, yeah. very diverse ward. So my he point used is to that, claim to be a progressive. Exactly. <laughs> He's by the way running against uh, Tony, Tony Preckwinkle now. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, the point is, I think it depends on who all is in the mix. And as we were just talking about with uh, with with newspaper columnists, this town is so racial. The politics is so racial. I think it depends on who's in the mix and their background and where their base comes from. And you know, Rom could still have a, a real fight in his hands, depending on who gets in. Well, more on that in the next year. But we've got a couple of years now to. Uh, it'll be two years from now that we'll be looking at the run. Well, up. it'll be a year from now because that, uh, I know yeah, it'll. And and as you guys know, the campaigns start earlier and earlier. It's like baseball season. I feel like <laughs> we we talk about it all the year. But around, before so. that, we've got this this uh, race this year. Do you think either of you both? This is for both of you that um, the property tax assessment snafus uh, are going to beat uh, Barrios? 
I don't know. He's been there for so long. So I don't I mean, I think people are angry enough or people are talking enough. But I kind of feel like, you know, obviously in journalism circles, we've been talking about the stories that ProPublica did and you know, the Tribune did before that. But I don't know. I don't feel like there's a fury outside the journalism community. Like people are like, oh, you know, they'll see his name on the ballot. Like I, if I talk to someone that's not following the story or has followed the story, I just feel like I don't know if there's that the outrage they're outside the journalism Romana, outside the people who pay attention to politics. I'm going to make a prediction, Romana. Uh-huh. It's going to be one you want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will be. I don't know. I, th- I think cool. it's definitely one I'll watch. It's but. definitely one to watch. I, I think the question is, uh, with, with an office like the assessor's office, where it's fairly complicated to explain sort yes. of what he does, I agree. And, the yeah. what he does. I, yeah. and the issue with Berrios, listen, he survived... That's we we know he I runs feel. a patronage operation. We know he's an old school machine Democrat. Right. He came on our Ben the show Ben Jarofsky and I have at the hideout. Right. He came on and, and told us the story of how he got his start in politics. Tom Keene, Mayor Daly's yeah. former guy in the city council, the first Mayor Daly's guy in the city council, fixed a speeding ticket for Joe Berrios, and that got his start in politics. Uh, back in uh, back in the uh, old days wow. when Joe Berrios the River was, Wards. Yeah, the River Wards. He was coming up. <laughs> Berrios came from Cabrini Green. He was a young guy working a couple jobs. He was rushing. He got a speeding ticket. And his local ward boss basically said, look, I've got a growing Latino population. You help me out. I'll help you. I'll make this ticket go away. And that is how he got his start. That's just the way the guy thinks. This is where he comes from. That has been out there for a long time. So the outrage over the assessment process, which very few people other than Jason Grotto, the reporter who did these recent stories, understands any of that. Yeah, I just think I it's agree. really hard. It's hard to formulate a message against that when it's like a fairly complicated thing. Doesn't mean it won't happen. I just think it's difficult. I think taxpayers are more upset than you suggest. They're being nickel and dimed. They yeah, by like the pop tax. I, I think and I wanted to cover the pop angry. tax before we left here. Why did the anti-obesity tax die? <laughs> Funny you should phrase it that way. <laughs> you mean the pop tax? Tom, Tom likes to call things different words. <laughs> Well, that's, that's what it is. I, I, I think it was just more of a, my older sister is a, is a pretty big soccer mom and she has kids who play sports. So she gets some Gatorade and, you know, she's not a huge pop drinker, but she drinks pop. She was so angry. And, you know, she's like, I'm sending it. She sent a letter to Larry Sufferton, who's her, you know, who's her commissioner. And she was just saying that, you know, I think it from what I understand and from what I was just seeing on social media, it, the way it was carried out was so uneven. People were getting taxed on drinks that didn't have that sugar component that was supposed to be taxed. And then, so people are just getting angry. I think it was like you bought, you know, Coke's on sale or Pepsi's on sale. And then, you know, it says it's like two ninety nine, And then when you buy it, it's like that extra money. So I just think people feel felt like, oh God, it's like they go to the grocery store, they're trying to buy something on sale. And it's, I think it was a psychological thing. And, you know, for some people, it, you know, just the ads that people were putting out there, there was just a lot of passion into it, like on both sides, I think. And obviously there was one side that kind of prevailed. I'd like so. to ask you, uh, you, either of you, your take on the governor's race. Who uh, Who's looked in the forefront of the Democrats? Uh, I'm particularly interested in how you think Biss might fare, and uh, can any of them beat uh, Rauner? I think Pritzker's probably leading the Democrats from, you know, I, I, I edit stories all the time, but I can be editing something on the pop tax, and then I'm editing something on a feature story, but sometimes I've, I'm doing a lot of the political 
coverage as well. I, I kind of feel like Pritzker is leading out there. That's from my, you know, humble take. I would say that. I mean, I think this will make it interesting. And, you know, obviously Kennedy as well. But I, I think Pritzker is going to lead the Democrats. Well, that's certainly who the Democratic apparatus is pushing. Yes. They want to uh, they want to counter Bruce Rauner's millions. And I'll remind people that about a calendar year ago, Bruce Rauner gave himself a single $50 million donation. So that's what we're dealing with in terms of campaign finance in this race. So the Democrats want someone who can pay their own way so that Mike Madigan and the state party can save their resources to try to preserve or expand his majority in the, in the state house um, in particular, in the state Senate as well. So Pritzker, you definitely feel like has the inside edge. The Democrats are all pushing him, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think anyone, I don't think voters have paid that much attention to this race yet. Usually, uh, the primary season doesn't really in earnest start until after the new year. So I think we'll see if Biss can come out and Kennedy can come out with any energy and, and seem to get any momentum when we all dive back into it in a few days. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Nick Dumpke, Ramon Hussein, thank you both. Thank uh, you. Mick is with uh, ProPublica, Illinois. Uh, Ramana is with the Sun-Times, now an editor on the Metro Desk. Uh, really appreciate your insights, and yes, we could have gone for two more hours looking yeah. at this past yeah. tumultuous year. Yeah. But uh, we will have you back soon. Sounds good, Thank guys. You. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks for having thanks, us. Thanks for getting up, Ramana. Oh. <laughs> now, now you can go out for breakfast. Oh, yeah.